So you have to understand it's the way that you change. You can change. You can do things that help you and benefit your family. You don't have to be that person that says, well, my parents did it. I think that's our society too. Your parents are, oh, let's be clear, it's 2022. In 2000, we didn't even accept LGBTQ. And now look at us, we're priding everywhere. So let's update and change with with society and how things are going and accept things for what they are. You're listening to Now What? A podcast where we celebrate Celebrate the human spirit by sharing stories of strength and resilience. For those going through hard times or looking to get inspired to change their own life. Hi, and welcome back to the Now Up Pod. Hi, Jen. I'm Tisha. And today we are joined by Dr. Tori Williams, who we are so excited to have her. I have actually been following her on social media for quite some time. She is an ACEs educator. Educator. For those of you who don't know, ACEs stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences. And this is something that interests me. And actually, it's something that impacts a lot of the guests that we've had on the show. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to invite her on to talk a little bit about ACEs and shed some light on something that I don't think a lot of people talk about. Yeah, no. So no. welcome, Dr. Tori. Welcome. You guys are amazing. Thank you for having me. This is my pleasure. Honestly, the opportunity to educate anyone on adverse childhood experiences is my delight. Trust me. That's so awesome. So maybe we should just jump right in. When we say ACEs, it Mm -hmm. seems for adverse childhood experiences, but what are we really talking about? So we're talking about life. And I think that's what people have to know and understand. We're not perfect. Adverse childhood experiences are those experiences, whether they are household dysfunction, sexual abuse, uh, emotional neglect. There's three different categories. So I'll break it down. First category is your physical, mental, emotional abuse. So that's anything. It could be the downplay of the things that have been discussed within family, within friends, within anybody. Those experiences is what changes us. So you have it from a physical, emotional, and mental abuse, physical, emotional, and mental neglect. And then you have household dysfunction. Household dysfunction is witnessing family members going through the physical, emotional, mental abuse and neglect, separation of parents, divorce of parents, incarcerated family members, incarcerated friends. This study has been out since 1998. We've done nothing about it. It's just sitting on the CDC website dormant. It's cute. It's just sitting there. But it has to be something interesting about it because it's on the same website as COVID-19. Right. The same website. So if you go to cdc.gov and put in ACES, this whole wealth of information is going to come up. Nobody wants knows what to do about it because it's just it's sitting there. Just like COVID is going to start sitting here in a second because, <laughs> you know what, that was 2019, it's 2022, and we're still going through it, but life is going on. And now it's like, well, take off your mask, enjoy life, and have a great life, but COVID is still there. I always compare COVID-19 to adverse childhood experiences to me because it's the same. Well, yeah. And we have this information. Like you said, we've got this study. We have that this is a pandemic problem Yes, and life is going on, but it's still there. It's there. And nobody really wants to talk about it because they want to make it like it's such a negative thing. When I am coming out and saying, I have ACEs, I have what you call generational 
trauma. Love my parents. They're wonderful. I don't tell their stories, but I will give you some background. My mom, she was left. She was abandoned when she was little, when she was a baby. Her mom just left her, dropped her off with uh, my grandfather. My grandfather really tried to find people to take care of his kids because he couldn't do it. And throughout that, she was sexually abused. My dad, love him to death. He's an amazing guy. 16, his mother passed away in the 60s and 70s. At 16 years old, they enrolled you in the military immediately. Love my dad to death. His PTSD is out of control. It's life. It doesn't mean he's a bad person. It doesn't mean anything. It means that he has those experiences that were never addressed. No one ever addressed the fact that his mom was 16 and he had to grow up and live life. Nobody addressed that. My mom, nobody addressed the sexual abuse because it was a family member. And so from that came a child and I love my family to death but again growing up with generational trauma that's another thing so Mm -hmm. I openly share my story and what happens is I'm finding other people (laughs) that are saying tell me more I understand I get it how do I understand what this is so that's where the ACE quiz comes in there's 10 questions if you answer at least one of them, you have ACEs. That's it. That's all. It's not ACEs and you're going to pass away and fall into a coma and you're never going to recover. It's knowing what it is and doing something about it. So that is adverse childhood experiences. It has been expanded. It has been discussed. It has been changed. Even I came up with my own questions with approval for CDC to do my own study. But yeah, it's out there. We just need to talk about it. And people don't want to talk about that type of thing. Well, because it's uncomfortable. And especially when you're talking about traumas that come at the hands of family members. Yeah. That's uncomfortable. That's like a dirty little secret that we're not going to talk about. It is. And also we talk often, there's a real misconception about, I think what trauma and abuse is. Mm -hmm. My kids have aces for sure, because their dad, Uh my husband was killed Uh at work when they were four and six. But with things like, even with something like that, like that's really obvious, right? Obvious trauma, obvious. Yes. But there's still, I feel like this misconception for all three of us that after a certain period of time, you just move on and you're good and it's not going to be a lifelong impact. And then conversely, there's so many different types of abuse and trauma Mm -hmm. that you wouldn't say, oh, that's traumatic. It's like, you know what I mean? It's it's such a spectrum and abuse, Mm -hmm. I feel like can be as subtle as manipulation. Like somebody might look at it as manipulation and not realize that a person could be traumatized by that experience. I think the key word is trauma. Yeah. I think you have people that maximize on it, saying that they do something about it. They go to therapy. They find the the strength that helps them heal. And then you have the people that abuse it that actually magnify it. And it's like, I have trauma. Help me. And if that's how you want to do it, that's fine. You know what I mean? But how is that really helping you by sitting here harping on the fact that you are going through this trauma? What are you doing about it? So that's exactly I say do something about it. You know, you have to do the work. Yeah. Do something about it. Like, you know, I didn't sign my 
girls up for ACEs at all. I think I did the best that I could to try to prevent that from happening. But I'll be honest, 13 years of the foolery, I quit. You know what I mean? It's like being a Christian and it's like, you know, for better, for worse, to death do you part. Well, it's 2022, you guys. I'm not going to stay in a relationship where there's nothing going on. There's no giving and there's there's give, but no take. There's no help. There's no work. You know what I mean? So it's like, I don't want to set my kids up for aces, but I did. So let me let you know, girls, aces isn't a bad thing. You hear mom talking about it every day, but let's be clear. Are you okay? So I'm doing double work here. Not only am I advocating for the world, I'm advocating in my own personal and professional life, you know, because I, I too have three girls and I too recently am not only am I generational and have generational trauma, but you know, I just recently divorced. Your children's ACEs score just went up. By uh-huh. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as we were talking about, like, sometimes it's a traumatic, unexpected, nobody could help it. Thing. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes. Right. So it's not just abuse. Mm-hmm. And I think, think, and maybe you could correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the, the kind of thinking around ACEs is that the higher your score is that later in life, these things add to physical and mental health issues when they're left unaddressed. They actually do. I do the best that I can to give examples or give references in regards. So talking about CPTSD, Ta-da, there's a link. I just had a young lady on my podcast that linked autoimmune to ACEs. Ta-da. You know what I mean? So there are ways that ACEs is linked to a lot. The problem is until we figure, yeah, until you really figure out what it is, you'll know how to address it. So the young lady that I interviewed with the autoimmune, she was 11. She didn't know, you know, but what she does know is she started going through her examples of her ACEs when she was younger. You know what I mean? So it was like, it started to make sense for her. And when she realized the ACEs was linked to her autoimmune, that's when she she paired them together and started doing something about it. Mm-hmm. So that's the key to everyone. It's not the world is going to end, you guys. The world is, is telling you, hey, you might consider some therapy. Therapy may not necessarily mean sitting on the couch telling people your business, but self-healing. Let's, yeah. you know, go find some art for you to do, or let's do some yoga or meditation. And there's, I've talked to so many people that have tried so many different things that work for them. The thing is healing. When you go to the hospital and it's, they say you have diabetes and it's like, well, where did it come from? You might want to check and see about your background because I can guarantee you there is a relation or a correlation between diabetes and adverse childhood experiences. It's people out there that don't even know. And so I'm targeting people, but I'm also targeting therapists. I need to know if you even know about adverse childhood experiences. Mm-hmm. If you don't, how can you help people? And that's what I'm looking to. I've talked to a few psychotherapists. I've talked to a few people, but not all therapists are catered to ACEs too, you know? So 
my goal is just to the education part of it, you guys. When I tell you, Jen, I mean it's working. Like all I'm doing is just having this simple conversation, and people are in my inbox like, "Huh? Well, let me tell you about this." And this, this is how I'm getting my resources because the information is out there. And yeah. once you start doing the research, like how Tisha did, it's like, "Hey." this is actually correct or this is actually true. So that's really how I'm doing. I do not want to be, I am not a therapist at all. That's why I am an advocate. I am a mental health advocate. I am an educator with a certification in education. Yeah. There are so many people who don't want to talk about ACEs or who feel uncomfortable. My ACEs score is actually pretty high. Okay. And I had PTSD as an adult after mm-hmm. receiving a cancer diagnosis and going through treatment. Mm-hmm. And as I started going to a therapist, all of this adverse childhood stuff was actually coming up. And I, and I do believe was a contributor to my PTSD. Mm-hmm. And that, yes, when I finally was diagnosed, it was because I'd had this one more thing. Right. If that makes sense. That's just my mm-hmm. belief. I'm not saying that's scientifically supported, but that is what I think about it. And, you know, if I tell people stuff about my childhood, sometimes it makes people uncomfortable and they don't know what to say because there's really nothing they can do about it. They can't fix it. It's, it's in the past, mm-hmm. but you were talking about it and I could see that people who have these stories, seeing that you're willing to hear them, wanting to talk about it and wanting to message you to talk about their adverse experiences because they're like, oh, hey, here's someone who's actually able to receive this information. I decided to start doing this. I've been in Texas for it'll be two years in August. I started this when I moved to Texas. And so it's been two years. So you got to think about it. I'm not a numbers driven person at all. I could care less about 40K followers. I'll be totally honest with you. It's the interaction and the feedback that I'm receiving from the people. People Mm -hmm. are saying, wow, Dr. Tori, tell me more. Wow. Can you be on this podcast or, or can I talk to you real quick? Because that's how I know that the message is getting out there. So mm-hmm. I can't do anything but continue to, to share the stories or talk about it because it's needed. It, it's so needed. People want it. Kids, I have now I'm working on this, this youth movement. I'm trying to get some, some youth ambassadors, you know, because it's not enough of me. It's like, come on, youth. You, you caught on to it now. You can address this. Let's help. Let's let's do something about it. Become an ambassador. You don't have to. I don't want you to do anything, but just tell people about it. That's it. And people are signing up. People are signing up for the ACEs. This one young lady, she's actually a therapist. She was like, we need an ACE awareness. Everybody has PTSD awareness. Everybody has all these different awareness days and months. She said, "We ACEs needs their own ACEs awareness. So I'm actually working on an ACEs awareness. I mean, it's not a national holiday, but it would be good to just have people just spreading the word about ACEs one day and just letting mm-hmm. people know exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Because if people can know about ACEs and understand the ways that they can impact them, they really yeah. can help themselves. And like you said, making those connections between, oh, I have autoimmune disorders, but I also have these adverse childhood experiences. And sometimes addressing those adverse childhood experiences can actually help with 
the other stuff. Right. And not enough people I think are, are talking about that connection. And, and mm-hmm. often I think like, because there's a crossover between sometimes these adverse childhood experiences and then physical health as adults. Right. I think the study is that actually people with a higher ACE score have a shorter life expectancy. Mm-hmm. That and is the thing. It doesn't, if you have a 10, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to pass away tomorrow. It just means that you have a 10 because your experiences fall into more categories. Mm-hmm. So say, for example, I always tell people that I am a household dysfunction. I was not physically abused. I wasn't sexually abused or emotionally abused. But then again, in somebody else's hindsight, my parents yelled. That was their way of communication. That could actually be considered emotional abuse, depending on how and who you talk to and who. Do you understand? So whereas, again, yeah, in my household, that was the way that my dad talked, not to say it was okay, but it wasn't until I started elaborating and doing what I'm doing now. It's like, dang, daddy, okay, yeah, you, yeah, why you, you know what I mean? And it's like, so my number just went from a four to a five based off of the day, because I'm talking to you all, and you all may see that yelling is really emotional neglect or emotional abuse. Let's be clear. I actually stopped doing it all together because I used to do it. Imagine me talking to my girls and I'm like, yo, such, 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 such. And every time I talk to my daughters, they start crying. I'm like, why are y'all crying? That's so weak to me. But think about it. Mm-hmm. Why is she crying? That's emotional. That's hurtful. Why are you yelling at me? What's the problem? So I stopped doing it. I'm being honest with you. I'm telling you my story. The whoopings, I did it because I thought that that was what life said do as a parent. If they don't act right, give them a whooping. I don't do it anymore. Because let's be clear, it's 2022. You take their phones away, the life is over. So you have to find (laughs) ways to get around those things to where the things that they're saying or subject to are not actually happening. So yes, I have, I'm confessing. I did growing up book my children. I don't do it anymore. I don't yell either. I don't even like the dog yelling. So we have a collar that we put on our dog because that barking is yelling. So you have to understand it's the way that you change. You can change. You can do things that help you and benefit your family. You don't have to be that person that says, well, my parents did it. I think that's our society too. Your parents are, oh, let's be clear. It's 2022. In 2000, we didn't even accept LGBT and now look at us we're priding everywhere so let's update and change with with society and how things are going and accept things for what they are you got a lot of people that their aces was the fact that they were hiding their sexuality you know let's be clear there's so much to talk about in regards to adverse childhood experiences how many parents beat the life out of their kids because they thought that their kids were gay or what about those ones that's living on the street that that community collective is really real you know so poverty in one area is not poverty in the next area. And so unfortunately, it's adverse childhood experiences because that's an experience growing up and not having, you know, affordable child care. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So it's not just us, you guys. It's the continued education of what it is so we can get it out there and say, hey, I realize, you know, the commute from being with grandma and grandma passing away and now I'm back with mom and mom really doesn't want me. That's aces. That's aces all the way, hands down, up and down. I can come up with so many stories. I put the stuff out there. If I'm watching TV to give an example, or if I'm reading a book to give an example, so people can get yeah. that idea and understanding or a better understanding of what it is and do something about it. Seriously. I was just going to say, I think because so many things give you an ACEs score. Or there are so many different things and ways that it affects you. Mm-hmm. I have to imagine that when somebody does learn about it, it's like you get a percentage of people who are so overwhelmed and it's like, well, mm-hmm. I can't do anything about this. Right. Number mm-hmm. one. And then also as it relates to like what you were talking about, parenting and stuff. There's no book for parenting. You only have what you've been shown to look to. And it's hard. And we don't support especially mothers enough in parenting. So even if you want to make those changes to stop yelling, like you say it like it's an easy thing to do. And speaking from experience, it's not. And especially if that's the way you were spoken to. That's what I'm used to. And I can change it. I'll be totally honest with you. I've noticed the relationship with me and my girls changed tremendously though. You know yeah. what I mean? No, it's not that it's not worth it to do, but it's also yeah. not easy to do. And it can come from a place of either not having seen something else, not having something else modeled. But when we yell and we're angry, it comes from like getting all like therapy-ish, but anger is a secondary emotion, right? Mm-hmm. It's driven by something else. Yeah. Personally, for me, it's driven by frustration and loneliness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's literally what I'm living with every single yeah. day. And you know, you once you know you and know where it's coming from, that's how you address it. So you know the loneliness is the, uh, it's coming from this. So you have to find ways in order for that not to happen. Yeah. In order for... So I'll give you an example. Young lady, I've been pushing therapy on her, pushing therapy on her, pushing therapy on her. She actually did it. I checked on her. She was like, I've been going to a therapist. She would be totally excited. Things are working well with me and my husband now. And it's like, what about your husband? She's like, baby steps. I needed to go for me first. The great thing is, at least she took that initiative to do it. Mm-hmm. And with her doing it, she's saying things are 110% better. I think it's more or less she did it to set the example for herself and then to set the example for her husband. Now, my ex, with a smile on my face, I was <laughs> all for therapy. I went to therapy. He went to a psychologist. Two different things. Let me help you. You need therapy. You need to talk to a therapist. A psychologist is not a therapist. And so it went to the fact that I started going to therapy and he didn't. And then eventually I was like, okay, can we bring, you know, my husband in? And my therapist said, sure, I'll do that. I noticed that you guys are separated, but in order to continue your therapy, I need you all to be back together and I was like oh, okay cool told my husband I said all right well come back on into the house you can you know go into the guest room and work your way back in and he looked at me and said ain't nothing wrong with me oh 
Mm -hmm. I'm coming back in and I'm going Mm -hmm. and doing what I normally do because there's nothing wrong with me. And that was when I started to call the lawyer and said, that's it. You know what I mean? Because if you're not willing to help, remember the healing process, the things that need to happen or the things that you actually have to do for yourself. Don't do it for anybody else. Do it for yourself. And unfortunately, yep, that cost him his relationship because he wasn't really to take the steps needed. I'm not listeners and I'm not saying go and get divorced tomorrow. What I'm saying is there are tools for you. You have to take those steps. Take the steps for you, yeah. not for anybody else. He, because in his mind to this day, still doesn't think that. <laughs> it's hard. Like I'm thinking about ACEs and, and we're all parents here. And a lot mm-hmm. of our listeners are also moms. And there are things that might happen in your child's life that are beyond your control. Mm-hmm. Like in Jen's case, Jen's husband died. Her children lost their father. That is beyond Jen's control. Mm-hmm. But then there are also things that, are within our control exactly like the example you used of yelling or beating your children Mm -hmm. and you do have to do the work for you and it's hard because I think one of the things that happens is that in moments of stress people sometimes do revert back to what was shown to them what they've been conditioned to to right and so you're stressed you're not necessarily thinking everything through you're just reacting and sometimes the reaction that comes out is just whatever was modeled for you right I am wondering do you happen to have the list of 10 questions handy I do and could we like hear them maybe sure and then what's interesting is I'd be willing to share what my aces score is I don't know if yeah. Jen wants to, but I also think for our audience members who are maybe listening and wondering what their ACEs score is. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good idea. You can I, point for each question, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also, I just wanted to like just backtrack before we go into that because, and I, I will personally talk about this backwards sideways mm-hmm. all the time to anyone who will listen as it relates to reducing say your child's aces score as a parent and a mother we need to better support parents and we need to better support mothers and if that if we can't come out of this COVID experience where basically women as a whole were completely devalued and their contribution then we like you're putting all this work on all of these individual people when there are elements of it that can be changed systemically Mm-hmm. There is, like you said, there's definitely a lot of pressure in particular on women, but I also don't think there's a lot of support for dads at all. No, no, there's no support for dads. But before we got on here, I saw an Instagram post where, you know, women aren't just naturally good at organizing and planning and doing all of that. They're yeah. just forced to learn how to do it because mm-hmm. they're expected to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and it's not, and it's not to minimize like that. No, men and men aren't there's plenty of supports that men aren't given. So parents as a whole aren't supported, but then there's that much extra pressure that is put on mothers. Because the child rearing is is often thrust upon women. And also there's a lot of single moms out there who are doing it alone. Mm-hmm. Not that there, not to say that there aren't single dads because they do exist, obviously. Right. But 
you're right. There's so much pressure on women and there's not a lot of support. And there's just an expectation that women are supposed to do it all and keep it all together and, you know, be able to do it calmly with a smile on their face, which isn't necessarily. Mm-hmm. You know, what's interesting, you guys, I think I have a lot of guys that are stepping up to the plate and wanting to share their story, which is surprising. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, men have aces too. Uh-huh. Of course they do. I, I would think because of their masculinity, this is a woman's podcast, yeah. women, women, yeah. that they would be scared, but I'll be totally honest. Mm-hmm. They want to talk. Yeah. They do because they they're starting to catch on and understand what was going on. Like I was talking to a guy that said initially his friend was talking about how he was abused when he was younger. But now, thanks to Dr. Tory, he wants to share his story because he was actually sexually abused by family and friends and it is, he's a pastor now. He's, you know, he wants to, you know, tell his story mm-hmm. just off of the experiences that he has that led him to be the person that he is. So it's, it's amazing to me. It's a, a, a jaw dropper because, you know, you, a lot of guys don't want to tell that type of story, but no. when I tell you, you guys, yeah, these men are actually like, look, this is what's, ha- what's happening, especially if it has anything in relation to do with sexual abuse. No, yeah. no man wants to talk about that. No, because yeah. you feel like you're perceived as weak and, and yeah. men and boys are told to man up. And if you're a heterosexual man and the abuse was at the hands of another man. Oh God. I think that's another element as well that men really don't want to talk about, but it is something that's happening to men. And the more men that do talk about it, like I'm thinking about this pastor there's so many people who are looking up to him Mm -hmm. and to have that piece of his story out there could be so helpful to other young men and boys and grown men Mm -hmm. who had this experience that they don't want to talk about Mm -hmm. and it's impacting their health. Right. Absolutely. It's so interesting and really upsetting that there's all this shame around things that you don't have any control over. Mm -mm. And this idea that you should have control over. Mm-hmm. This is our life, you guys. I mean, yeah. and that's the reason why I'm here. Hopefully, if someone's listening and say, oh, my God, you know, let's let's find her so we can find out more information or go on because I'm giving resources out now. There is so much shame. And as somebody who has adverse childhood experiences, like it's some of the shame comes from, I think, the way that people receive it. Mm -hmm. The fact that some of these topics are kind of taboo. Mm -hmm. The idea that, for example, my stepfather was in and out of jail. When I was growing up, you don't want to go to school and be like, oh yeah, my stepfather's in jail. Mm -hmm. Like, because people think that reflects upon you. And that's kind of like that sometimes for me, I think is where some of the shame comes from. Mm -hmm. And also there's a piece of like, I love my mother. Mm -hmm. I actually do love my mother. Mm -hmm. However, there's like also this piece of like protecting the family image that you don't want to necessarily share it because maybe it reflects badly on your parents. And I was listening to you, Dr. Tori, talk about your parents. You're like, I love them and they are good people. And so it's like, yeah, I'm telling this story, but you don't want it to reflect badly on them, but this Mm -hmm. is life. And this is what this stuff is happening in families 
everywhere. You have to understand that I left home when I was 17. You got to think about it. I'm not ashamed to tell my beautiful age. I'm 45. Think about it. 17, 45. I'm to this day trying to have a relationship with my mom because those four F's of trauma, the flight response, the freeze response, all of that was me when I was 17 years old. I was ready to go. I did not want to stay with my parents anymore. So my mom really did not raise me, if that makes sense. Life kind of did, because as soon as I left when I was 17, I went to college and never returned. I'm actually born and raised in Kansas City, and I refuse to return. And I know now the reason why I refuse to return is because I don't want to go back into that type of of environment yeah granted that's me I love my parents I do I talk to them all the time love them to death they're great but when it comes time to those adverse childhood experiences they didn't know what that was because of the experiences they actually went through yeah exactly I have it pulled up if you send it to me what I'll do is link it in the show notes yeah so that it will come up and anybody can go and see the document that you're talking about yes so what you do is you give yourself a point for each question is that Mm -hmm. how it works so you put your finger up for each Mm -hmm. thing okay all right so it says before your 18th birthday that's the that's the gotcha gotcha you guys you have to do it before anything after and I think that's the issue that people don't know and understand it's the before 18th birthday that people don't understand. It says, did a parent or other adult in your household often or very often? So this is where the questions come in and it depends on where you're looking at it. Often or very often are two different things, let's be clear. It says, swear at you, insult you, put you down or humiliate you, or act in a way that made you afraid that you might be physically hurt. That's everybody, but let me be quiet and sit back and answer yes or no. I'll ask the question again. Did a parent or other adult in your household often or very often swear at you, insult you, put you down, or humiliate you? Question mark. Or act in a way that made you afraid you might be physically hurt. If you have, give yourself a one. Question two, did a parent or other adult in your household often or very often push, grab, slap, or throw something at you or ever hit you so hard that you had marks or you were injured? If you have any of these, you see how there's like five questions into one? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I didn't make it up. Give yourself another one. Number three. Did an adult or a person at least five years older than you ever, A, touch or find you, or have you touched their body in a sexual way, or attempt or actually have oral, anal, or vaginal intercourse with you? So even for the attempt. Because that would be traumatic. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So again hide from it if we want to. Number four, did you often or very often feel that A, no one in your family loved you or thought you were important or special? Or B, 
Your family didn't look out for each other, feel close to each other, or support each other. Four questions into one. One point. One point. That's it. Number five. Did you often or very often feel that, A, you did not have enough to eat, had to wear dirty clothes, or had no one to protect you, or your parents were too drunk or high to take care of you or take you to the doctor if you needed it? Four questions, one answer. Number six, and this is where I come in. Were your parents ever separated or divorced? One question. Yay. <laughs> Number seven. Was your parent or caregiver A, often or very often pushed, grabbed, slapped, or had something thrown at him or her? Or sometimes, often or very often, kicked, bitten, hit with the fist, or hit with something hard, or ever repeatedly hit over at least a few minutes or threatened with a gun or a knife. So that's six questions into one. I'll read it again. Was your parent a caregiver often very, often or very often pushed, grabbed, slapped, or had something thrown at her? Or sometimes, often or very often, kicked, bitten, hit with a fist, or hit with something hard, or ever repeatedly hit over at least a few minutes or threatened with a gun and knife. That's seven questions for number seven. One response. Right. Number eight, did you live with anyone who was a problem drinker or alcoholic or use street drugs? This is a good one. Number nine, was a household member depressed or mentally ill or did a household member attempt suicide? Depressed, mentally ill, or attempted suicide? One response. Number 10, did a household member go to prison? That's simple. One question. One. I'm a seven. So I'm a th three but there were two where it's like what does often exactly. how often is often because yeah. i remember i remember instances but probably less than five for right. two of those questions so like what does that does that mean that i get those two like it and and i always tell people it depends on the day you know so like say for example i'm a five today but that's a good example because it depends on how you perceive that question because often it could be one instance for people and that's the impact. And I wondered about that. One of them was like, were they often or very often hit or punched or something like that? I'm like, I mean, someone might argue if, if your father punched your mom once, that's too often. That's the thing. Like I had two hands going because I got to three where it was like, yeah, a hundred percent, that's me. Yeah. And then there were these other two that I'm like, well, what, do, what, what is often yeah. or very often? I mean, it, I wouldn't it's, say it was very often, but what's moms out here that, that are no joke either. You guys, it's yeah. the moms that didn't put their foot down on these dads too. And it's like, yeah, yeah. dad is not going to admit it. Like, but 
they've been emotionally abused yeah. and, and, yeah. and physically abused by women too. And it is interesting that not everything has to involve the child directly. The other thing that crossed my mind was the alcohol and street drugs. So what if somebody's parent was abusing prescription drugs? That doesn't count. Yes, but like if someone's abusing painkillers, that should count. It should. It <laughs> depends on who you're talking to because a lot of people abuse prescription drugs. drugs. Yeah. So it depends on the person. If they want it. if they had an impact on you, I can guarantee you I would give they're raising their finger because yes. that's, it. that's it, you guys. I would argue that because I can remember some instances that mm -hmm. I, that should get the point you see how the remembrance is the experience it's the experience and that's what people have to understand jane you had a three tish you had a seven that doesn't mean that she has more issues than you it means that she placed in more categories, categories. familiar with mm -hmm. those categories that doesn't mean that she needs to go and see therapy asap it's that she's more aware of the experience that happened in her life at that time, which was before 18. Right. I have, I'll give you an example, young man. This was in 2002, 2003. He used to always come to school about 8.45, 9 o'clock and they would just write him up. And I was like, Ronnie, what's up? He was like, honestly, he was like, we wake up with the sun. We don't have an alarm clock. I have to take my kids to school because my mother's a crackhead. And I need to make sure that they fed. I need to make sure that they're taken care of. And the only way I can do it is to make sure that they get to school. And guess what? I talked to him. The school was writing him up. They were about to kick him out. They were about to do things. And what you don't know and understand, all they need to do is just sit and listen to him. Mm -hmm. Give him a little leniency. I mean, he's taking care of his whole family. He's 17 years old. You think he wanted that? You think he expected his, his mom to be a crackhead? He got brothers and sisters he still had to take care of. But does he have aces? Heck yes. His, mm -hmm. his, his siblings do too. This is the reason why I became interested in it because as an educator for real, working with these kids, yeah, every day. So one of the things I'm wondering, because I'm also an educator. So, you know, this topic interests me from that perspective. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things, because I might have a seven and somebody else with a seven, and we could be functioning very different levels as adults. And I'm wondering what some of those mitigating factors for children could be. And how do we help children? Because I am an educator and I am a parent. How do we help mitigate the impact that these ACEs have? We have to let the parents be aware of exactly what's going on. I think awareness is, is the most important thing right now. You know what I mean? Because we're not here to change households. We're, we're, we want people to become aware. So like say, for example, I gave the example of yelling. I did used to do it and I don't do it anymore. And I've seen the change within my own children, I promise. But that's me making a decision to stop doing that, you know, mm -hmm. because now I realize, like I said, the yelling actually did have an emotional impact on my children. So it was a parent parental decision for me to make that decision to stop doing it. So it has to be, I've had, I've had people honestly ask if I can speak to parents, if I can talk to parents, if I can talk to the parents in hospitals, 
that type of thing because this is what's happening. So it's more or less becoming aware of what it is and getting that information out there so people can know about it because like I said, it's out there. Yeah, I think because then people are informed and can make some of those decisions for yourself. And as we were talking about before, there are some things that you can control as a parent or as an educator. And there are things that are out of your control. And I would think that you would be hard pressed to find anybody whose ACEs score is zero. Right. Like, let's be real. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But like, do we want to try and help keep that number a bit lower I, I think people need to get away from the number. So when I am talking to students, I don't bring up the ACEs quiz at all because just, I just talk to them. I don't say, what's your ACEs score? Because I want people to get out of the stereotype of having a 10, which means you have more problems. No, it just means that you're, you're placed in different categories. It's just the awareness of it. We have a responsibility as educators, you know, for certain things to be addressed and things to happen. And I hate to point fingers and be like, dang, that's all. That's aces in it. It's aces, it's aces. But the reality is some of it is, y'all. When I go into meetings and I see the mom come in and it's like, dad's on the emergency contact. Does mom and dad live together? No, dad lives somewhere else. Well, no offense. That's aces. That's aces. You see what I'm saying? Like, I got to call it what it is because that's that one ace places you in the aces. Also things that are not on there. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about Jen's situation, like your parents being separated, adverse parent dying doesn't make the cut. It actually does. The problem is that's the 1998 version. Yes. Right. We have, and I'm saying we, because I'm saying we. I did my own study myself. There are some things that have been added mm-hmm. that haven't been added. That's so they have like racism. racism. That's where I was going with it that I wanted to talk about. Yeah. Community violence is added, but it's not added to the 1998 survey. So when they did, they call it, Jesus, it's on the top of my head. It's not advanced ACEs, but there's an extra category for ACEs. And we needed to add terrorism to it. We need to add bullying to it, cyberbullying. So there are so many things that need to be added that they're not, which is the reason why I'm trying to make this mandatory so they can add these other things so we can make ACEs a normalcy. Because right now we're making it as if it's a negative thing when it's not. I want to make it as normal as possible for people to know exactly what it is and to deal with that. And my heart goes out to you because... Like you said, that situation actually puts your kids in ACEs. Yeah. And out of our control, where like you acknowledge that you put your kids in it by getting a divorce, but there's an argument for that, that you did that to ultimately make everybody's life better. So while it was a choice versus in my situation, it was a choice that was ultimately improving upon everyone's life. Right. And unfortunately, that is, that's it. We do. We have to acknowledge that these things impact children and have an effect on them and that these things that happen to us as children continue to impact upon us as we become adults and have our own families Mm -hmm. and 
sometimes I think there's people who are like, oh, well, when I was a kid, such and such, but I'm fine now. Right. Are you? You're forced to say that though, whether you are or not. Socially, you are forced to be like, when I tell someone who is not comfortable with the idea of trauma and death and loss, mm -hmm. what has happened? Like, we're okay. We're not okay. Like no. we're surviving. It's funny because like, even with the divorce and I smile about it, because <laughs> we're fine. You know what I mean? Like we're okay. But my situation from the beginning was red flags and it had nothing to do with my parents. It had nothing to do with his, but then again, it did. His parents are married, still married. Great. That doesn't mean that they have the best relationship. My parents are not married, haven't been married, but when I tell you they have a great relationship, great. I called my parents and said, look, I don't care if y'all like each other. I'm about to have a kid, get it together. And they did exactly that. Yes. Yeah. And socially, there's this idea that a successful life is staying married to the person you got married to. Yeah. But that's not true. Well, let me share this also with you guys, because this is a, a, a woman's podcast that I love. This Roe versus Wade impact in the United States is horrible. And- mm -hmm. It actually built a bridge for me to share that I also had an abortion. Let's be clear. I'm a married woman who had an abortion. It wasn't something that I wanted to share with the world. Actually got me down for a bit. What's interesting is, whereas my daughters say that they have an ace as a one, they probably have a two because that actually impacted me really bad. They, they don't know what it was, but now I can have that conversation. I have a nine-year-old. I wouldn't have that conversation with her at all, but having that conversation with my teenagers who are very political and involved, you know, I let it slip up every now and again, just to see, you know, what they have to say and what they have to do. Mm -hmm. But the reality of the situation is that actually happened to me. We released an episode with somebody, it was called Amanda's abortion story. And she is a post-abortion coach. So she helps women after they've had abortions. Mm -hmm. And her story is also that she was a married woman and she already had a couple children, got pregnant, didn't want another one, had an abortion. And similarly to you, she found that very difficult and surprisingly mm -hmm. difficult afterwards. She wasn't expecting all of the emotions that that came from that. And so you saying like, I'm a married woman and I had an abortion through that conversation with her. We actually learned that a lot of people in committed relationships who are married, who are already parents decide to have an abortion. Well, that's like the highest number of, or like the highest yes. percentage of mm -hmm. abortions. I'm surprised I had to find that out on my own. So that's why I was like, oh, okay, well, shoot. Let me go ahead and say that makes me feel better because here it is. I'm trying to, you know, confide and be quiet and not say anything. And, and now it's like, we're taking away women's rights for real. I wouldn't have been able to do this if it wasn't for this. Yeah. You know? It's like, okay. But when you look at the background part of it, I know for a fact around that time, I was pretty depressed. I'm going to be totally honest with you. Of course you were. So yes. did it have an impact on my children? More than likely. I've talked to my nine-year-old and I love her to death. There's a song that I played during that season. And the song is, this. it opens up saying, get it together. 
Like I'm heavy on affirmations. And what's funny is that's one of her favorite songs. Cause she was like, mom used to play it like every day. Well, she doesn't know that every day was motivation for me to get my butt up and do what I need to, to do. Yes. But something as small as that, you guys, you know, it can have an impact on us. That's the reason why I'm so passionate. And people say, it, it, it's to hear you talk about ACEs. I'm passionate about this for real because I know with the awareness, I can help people. Mm-hmm. It yeah. is what it is. Like Jen, uh, Jen did not know about your situation. Tish, my girl, <laughs> more and more we talk, the more and more you giving me some stuff. So yeah. again, this is the conversations we need to be having at our, at our tables, you know, with wine. We need to yeah. integrate these in our sister talks or our book clubs or wherever Absolutely. it is. We need to have these discussions. We're doing it now. But just yeah. imagine other people being comfortable in the setting, just having these conversations and actually doing something about it doing something about it is having a discussion and it's definitely like motivation for our podcast is that we want to talk about not just aces but we want to talk about these things we want people talking about mental health it goes back to this idea that we touch on often of community care like a lot of healing comes from community care which is sharing of stories and actually holding space for people to listen to their stories and being okay with it finding those safe spaces to kind of land and share that because if you keep it inside that's not serving anyone come on parents come on parents i'm not saying you need to because jen your kids are a little younger let's wait teach let's wait a little bit I'm talking about those high school students that kind of know what's going on and, and they see what's going on in society and they see it in their friends and they see that ACES is out there. She definitely knows. It's funny. She'll come home and be like, oh, these two girls got into it. They live in a foster home and oh, they need to do something about these foster homes. Mama, all oh, them kids got ACES. It's like, yep. Yeah. We don't talk about it in, in those terms, but we really own what they've been through. Mm-hmm. We will talk about if someone's being a bully or if someone's being mean. Think about what you've been through. Mm-hmm. You don't know what they've been through. Or if for some reason, because it's a very small gossipy community, like I happen to know that they lost a parent too and you just don't mm-hmm. know them because they're not in your grade and it right. wasn't when you were there. And how does that make you view how they are treating people now? I work really hard to be kind of a safe space for them, we can have these conversations because I think it's important. I think so too. That's why I'm here. I thank you for having this open space. I love this. I will say <laughs> this has been one of my favorites. Oh, love we it. haven't put a time on our discussion and we let our discussion naturally happen. Life is exactly what we're doing now. Having a discussion about life, having a discussion about things that can elevate change. That's yeah. exactly what we're doing. Yeah. And I hold the title of being an expert because it was what I researched and what I'm studying, but it's what I live, you guys, professionally and personally. You know what I mean? This is exactly what I'm doing. I'm not trying to be a reflection because I'm not perfect at all. I'm just letting people know that I have a doctorate degree. I'm well-educated. I am a single mom. I am an educator and I have ACEs. Yes. And we will definitely 
tag you and we will tell people where they can follow you in our show notes. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Now What Pod. If you've enjoyed this episode, leave us a review. Your ratings and reviews help more people like you find our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with someone you think would love it. You can find us on social media at the Now What Pod. Until next time, we're Tisha and Jen. Remember, your story matters and you do too.